You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Where was I? <laughs> Just when you thought to yourself, hey, whatever happened to What's-His-Face? What's-His-Face has returned. Yes, we're back. We're ready to roll. Back at 5 a.m., off and running on this Monday, April 27th. What does it matter that it's April 27th? All the days just run together. But it is Monday. I guess that matters to some people. And yes, this is once again the Gordon Damer Show. This is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. Lots to do. Basically a month of stuff to run through in just about an hour so, of course, the number, you know, 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number. You can find me on Twitter, at Gordon Damer. Same on Instagram. We have lots and lots to discuss. But let's start at the beginning, which would have to be the fact that we have not been here in just about a month. For all those who reached out during our little hiatus, thank you very much. It was much appreciated. It has been a very weird time with what we're going through you know, not uh, having the uh, show at 5 a.m. has made it even weirder. It's been a very unprecedented time. Whoever that guy was who said, uh, may you live in interesting times, I'd like to find that guy and punch him in the face because uh, I don't want to live in an in interesting – I want the most uninteresting times that I possibly could live through right now. There's been more than enough interesting. I want uh, just routine at this point. But there uh, – for all the people who missed the show, it was important to hear from you, so thank you very much. Now – while I was not here, I would like to uh, throw a thank you out to the great Larry Hardesty, who was gracious enough to uh, share his show, ESPN New York, tonight with me for basically the last month. Very kind of him. Larry is absolutely the best, so thank him Thank him for that. Uh, I know that uh, if you're up right now and you're working right now, the 10 o'clock show, if you are a fan of mine, doesn't really work, right? Uh, being up at 5 and being up at 10 p.m. doesn't really work, but thank you to Larry for at least allowing me that outlet and uh, sharing his airtime with me. It, it was a lot of fun. So to all his callers and all his uh, fans, uh, thank you very much. Hopefully, in the time we were away, you and your family have been able to uh, stay home, have been able to stay safe. And uh, with all those on the front lines of this catastrophe, we uh, thank you. Of course, the doctors, the nurses, the hospital workers, everybody. The first responders, the police, thank you for all those. That's why we changed the theme song, and hopefully at some point, hopefully soon, we'll be able to change it back because we will be be behind this at least to a, a certain extent. But also for all those people that are out in our world, keeping our world running, right? If you are up at this time, generally you're not up at 5 o'clock in the morning because you like to wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning, right? You're out, You're up and you're out right now. You're working. Because you have to work. So for all of us who have the ability to stay home, to flatten the curve, to the truck drivers out there, the delivery people, the cooks, the restaurant workers, if you're out there working right now, whatever it is you do, thank you very much. Now, if this pandemic has proven anything to me, it's that causes are absolutely pointless. Having every, every you, know, you watch the movie and there's some, you know, reason why everybody has to rally around the cause. I know the moral of the story probably should be something positive, right? It's not. Because when you watch the news reports, it makes you realize getting everyone on the same page is absolutely point. Like if the aliens 
were to come down from space, there would be people who would walk right up to the aliens like, ah, I don't care about these aliens, your laser gun. What are you going to do with that laser gun? Ah, go ahead, shoot me with your laser gun. Ah, you're not that tough. Not talking about people that are going to work. That is, you know, there's a very real economic impact in all this. I'm talking about the people who are going to the beach, the people complaining about wanting to go to the hairdresser. It's uh, It has been infuriating, and having this time the last month to watch more of it has been uh, even more so. But that is one of the problems with our current situation. You, you keep hoping, right, that there's going to be one day that things get back to normal, and it's, go, it's not going to be that way, right? It's not going to be a day where someone comes out and waves the white flag and tells you, hey, everything's okay, coast is clear, good to go. But in the meantime, we have been on the sidelines. It's been a while, but the good thing is, is when you have that time away, it give you know, you're not looking every single day for an update. So when you're away for a month, there are some things moving in the right direction, right? The, the numbers are dropping to a certain d- degree, maybe obviously not as much as we would all like, but there is some, some light at the end of the tunnel. I'm not sure if light at the end of the tunnel is the right analogy, but is there something that happens before the light comes at the end of the time? I'm not sure what that is, but whatever that would be, uh, that would be what I would use as the uh, the example. Because A, you had the NFL draft starting back on Thursday, Friday over the weekend, and thank God we did, right? Thank God we had the NFL draft, some normalcy, some sports, something where the world kind of made sense. And, you know, everybody today or yesterday had their winners and losers of the NFL draft. Well, that's that's all subjective. The real losers of the NFL draft were the people who said we should not have had the NFL draft, that it should have been canceled. You can't run that during this time. No. Thank God the NFL did not listen to those people. That would have been a terrible idea. It went off. Pretty much without a hitch for the NFL. I mean, I didn't watch every single second over the weekend. You know, you check in and, uh, you know, you're doing things with the kids or around the house or whatever. But the the product on the screen looked amazing considering the, the, the situation that we're in. To everyone at the NFL that got this done, thank you. We needed that. If you're an NFL fan, I've said it a thousand times. If you're a diehard NFL fan who lives for Sundays, you'll love the draft. And I always have joked that they should have one year where they just do one round of the draft a day, right? A week of football in the offseason. And I kind of wish they would have done that this year. Like the picks on Saturday were flying by so fast, you know, you can't keep track of all those picks. And I get it for the people who are covering it. It's a it's a bear of a day, you know. The, the the picks are coming fast and furious. Teams are trading out. Trading teams are trading up. Things are constantly happening. But I'll, I'll tell you, man, if there was every year where each round of the draft, seven rounds, you have seven days, this would have been the year. So that that's the only bad part about the draft for me is that it went by too quickly. And I say this as someone who's a fan of a team that had a top five pick and made a huge mistake. But to the NFL, to the people at ESPN who made Trey Wingo, I mean, I can't imagine that what that scene was like for Trey Wingo hosting that thing where you have people on screens trying to play traffic cop, keeping it on the tracks, amazing job. So people keep asking, you know, what do you do with sports shut down? Well, even though there's games have been shut down, the, the sports have not been shut down. I mean, between the draft, which we'll get into, 1-800-919-ESPN, 
1-800-919-3776. You have The Last Dance, which uh, aired episodes three and four last night. I have not seen episodes three and four, but obviously a week ago saw episodes one and two, and how fantastic was that? The only, again, the only qualm I had with that was that you gave me two episodes in a row, and while I loved it, right, episode. The, 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 the definition of a binge watchable show is that when one episode ends, you want the next episode to start. You want to get that next episode right away. And for the last dance, that was absolutely the case. Episode one ended and I wanted episode two right away and I got episode two right away. The only problem is there's only 10 of them. And at some point, I think that the 10 are going to be up quicker than the sports are going to be back. So part of me is like, you know what? Save it for me. Only give me one a week because I'm going to need this down the road. But episodes three and four aired last night. I have not seen episodes three and four, but we'll have some thoughts on episodes one and two coming up. Uh, while we were away, the Red Sox, I, I've seen reports that their punishment for cheating came down. Uh, you know, with the beauty of the Internet, my Internet has been working fine. But I have not been able to find any of this punishment that people are speaking of. Interesting. But we'll try. We'll try over the course of the next hour to find, you know, because the integrity of the game for every game is so important. I'm sure that there I'm sure maybe it's just that I'm old and I just can't work the computer as well as the young people can. I, I keep Googling Red Sox punishment cheating and nothing that would be a punishment for cheating comes up. I'm sure it's me. I'm sure it's something I'm doing wrong, but we'll, maybe we can work it together, right? Maybe it'll be, maybe we can do a Zoom meeting where we all get together and we can figure out, uh, where exactly the punishment, uh, came down. So, but, you know, for all the people who say about the, uh, sports being shut down, what are you talking about? Those are some of the things that we'll talk about coming up. But also, as sports fans, you know, we're not robots who just talk sports the entire time. We have interests outside of sports. That's what we discuss, like rewatchable movies, which we have to discuss. It's amazing to me the amount of people that when we said, you know, I, I tweeted out, you know, the show's going on hiatus, either say, well, wait, what a second. What happened about the, what about the rewatchable movie? Well, we're doing that for the show. So if there's no show, we're not going to run poll questions when there is no show to discuss it. So we put that on hiatus. But it was funny because it was almost like people were like, wait a sec, I want a conclusion. But then there was another part of people where it was like, well, see, you're not going to get to finish it there, dum-dum. No, we're going to finish it. I told you at the time, it will be finished. So we'll get into that coming up. But I guess the, the best piece of good news comes from our uh, Adrian Wojnarowski, Woj. I don't know if it qualifies as a Woj bomb, but uh, he uh, had the story yesterday, the NBA will be reopening team practice facilities beginning soon. I think it's Friday, right? Is it beginning on this Friday? I think it is. Uh, for players in states that are loosening the stay-at-home restrictions. Obviously, the coronavirus pandemic has resulted in all those places shutting down. But players will be able to return to team facilities in states such as Georgia for voluntary uh, individual workouts soon. And that allows NBA organizations to start allowing players to, to get back into a training facility, which you would think is a safe environment. Now, look, I've said in the past, I think you probably are on board with this at this point, highly skeptical that the NBA season will resume. Out of all, I, I would think of of the sports that are, be, you know, the four major ones, the one that will be most impact is probably the hockey because you can't, 
Apparently, the ice, you can't have it in the summertime, even indoors, which uh, is kind of crazy, right? You can't have ice indoors. Strange. Uh, but uh, the NBA, just because of the timing of things, seems like they're going to be impacted pretty greatly as well. I just don't think there's going to, even if you were to start with the playoffs, you're still, I mean, that's half the, you know, there's a reason why they call the playoffs the second season. It takes forever. So given all the parameters, it just doesn't seem there's any way at all that they're going to be able to come up with some sort of conclusion to the season unless they were to say, you know what, we're going to, the two things I came up with, A, you resume the season and then it impacts next year, right? Like, say, by August, you can resume the season. You can resume the season in August, but that's going to go into, dig into next season, which might be okay. Maybe they're fine with, you know, next season will start January 1. And there's been talk of, of, of kind of reimagining the NBA schedule. So if they have no problem with that, okay. But the other thing that I thought of, and I don't think that most people would be on board with this at all, but maybe what you do is that whenever you are able to resume the season, that that next season will count as this season, that the two seasons will be one, right? Like you, you start next season. And I think that's probably, if you want to get a conclusion to this season, I don't think that most people would be on board with that. But if you want a conclusion to the season, the best way of doing that is that whenever it does resume, you resume with the conclusion of this season. So if it, if that, if that takes up next, two seasons will be combined. That might be uh, the best way you can go about it. All right. If you have a small business trying to get the word out that you're still serving the community, let us know. We've had over 350 local businesses reach out and we are sharing their messages. Look, I mean, if you have a restaurant, and I think restaurants are going to be the most greatly impacted. I was reading a story uh, while we were away about, you know, I don't know anything about the real world, but profit margins in the restaurant business are so minuscule that if there's a if there's a restaurant that you love in your local community, as opposed to the non-local, in your community, that you want to be there and they're still and they're still open right now, you should absolutely be doing what you can to help them out because that way they're there when the world gets back to normal. So if you have, if you're one of those people that's running a business, reach out to us, send us an email, 987ESPN at gmail.com, 987ESPN at gmail.com. Let us know your story. We can pass the word along to our listeners. Again, that's 987ESPN at gmail.com. Like the kettle black, two locations, 8622 third Avenue in Brooklyn. And 415 Forest Avenue, New York's best burgers and wings for pickup or delivery. They have some uh, larger group specials and also delivering growlers of beer. Oh, God, I could use a growler. Even at this time, I could use a growler of beer. You can visit them on their website, www.kettleblackbar.com. So there you go. All right, so it is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. Uh, I know that... Uh, very, very happy to be back at 5 a.m. And one of the reasons why we, you know, going away when we did, we had such great momentum building with our rewatchable movie bracket, right? It was the, it was the time of March. It was the time, it was supposed to be March Madness, where everybody, every show comes up with their own kind of bracket for something outside of college basketball. We're all gambling on the college basketball, but we all have, you know, 
things of interest that we try to figure out what the best thing is of of this, the best candy bar, the best uh, dessert, I don't know, well, the best, this thing, best that thing. So we came up with, I know, I got to be honest, I am not uh, the most arrogant person in the world, but I do feel like the rewatchable movie bracket was probably the best thing that we've ever come up with. And it's probably the best thing that anybody's ever come up with. The amount of interest that we got from the rewatchable movie bracket was sensational. Now, we did not resume that today because it's the first day after the draft that we've been on, right? We weren't on Thursday or Friday, so we were on today for the first time. So I felt like we needed to get a little bit of feedback from that. Plus, we need everybody to kind of get back into rewatchable movie bracket mode, right? It, it, unfortunately, the, the break came at a bad time. We were, you know, wanted to at least have the final four. We were in the middle of coming up with the final four when, when we went away. So in case you are unaware, Two spots in the final four already grabbed. The wild card region, remember the wild card region? Back to the Future is there. And then the comedy region, I think that was the last one that we had. It was my cousin Vinny beating out Wedding Crashers. So we still have two spots in the final four up for grabs. We will start doing that again tomorrow. And I think I'll, I'll let you in right now. Tomorrow, we will be deciding the action region. Now, in case you don't remember, it's been a while. The two combatants there will be Die Hard, the number one seed, rightfully so. And then the number six seed is The Dark Knight. So that's going to be an epic clash. And then on Wednesday, Wednesday, it might be the battle of the tournament. The battle of the tournament very well could be between in the drama region. Figuring out who who wins this matchup might decide who wins the whole thing. Because the matchup on Wednesday will be Goodfellas, the number one seed, and I think rightfully so, against the number two Godfather. I mean, how do you choose between those two? Goodfellas, Godfather. They're both on TV at the same time. Very, very difficult to uh, judge that one. So that will be the uh, matchup on Wednesday, and then we'll start to get down to uh, the finals. And as amazing as an idea this is, because I had all this time away, I believe I may have come up with something. Now, you might disagree. And it would be very hard to top the rewatchable movie bracket because it's been sensational. But I believe that I might have come up. Well, I've definitely come up with what the next thing we're going to do in terms of the poll question every single day. And I got to be honest, it's actually a pretty amazing idea. It was so amazing that at first I thought it was amazing. Then I said, is this as amazing as I think? And then I confirmed in my own mind that it is as amazing as I think it is. And I will just, to give you a little bit of a hint, it's sports related, but I've always been a huge fan of the Royal Rumble. The Royal Rumble and the WWE, to me, is such an amazing format that no one, no other sport can duplicate. Now, to make sure that I have it right, because I am amazed by it, but Royal Rumble is a battle royale where you start off with two guys in the ring, and then every, you know, I think it's every two minutes or every five minutes, another guy. You don't know who it's going to be. Every 90 seconds now. Every 90 seconds. All right, Brian corrects me. Every 90 seconds, a new combatant comes into the ring, and you don't know who it's going to be ahead of time. So I'll be unveiling tomorrow what the sports equivalent of that will be on the Gordon Damer Show. But let's get into the NFL Draft. The NFL draft started on Thursday, as I said in the open. Thank God. 
thank God for the NFL draft, right? Like, who was not fired up for the NFL draft? If you were a football fan, even if you're not really a football fan, I feel like the draft was just, it was like manna from heaven. Like, you're just walking through the wilderness. You have no idea where you're going. And then all of a sudden, like a beacon in the sky, a beam of light shines down. And there it is, the NFL draft. The Jets, the Giants, two very different situations, even though you would think the Jets and Giants are very similar situations, right? Ton of holes, two, now at this point you'd have to say perennial non-playoff teams, two bad teams. But it's interesting, from a draft perspective, very, very different. Jet fans overwhelmingly trusted Joe Douglas going into the draft, even though He's been on the dra- on the job for a while. It's kind of he's got a great reputation around the NFL. Everybody thinks that Joe Douglas he clearly would have had a chance to run another organization if he didn't take the Jets. So he's a very highly thought of person. But in terms of actual results, he hasn't gotten the chance to do anything. But even from a Jet from a Jet fan's perspective, I thought it was interesting because what Jet fans generally do is think that everything is lost even before it's been played. But with Joe Douglas, they've been giving him, um, they've had a higher view of him than most things in their life. On the other side of things, you have giant fans who don't trust Dave Gettleman as far as they could throw him. Overwhelmingly. Even though his draft record has not been terrible. I would not say it's been great. But considering, mostly considering the other aspects of his job, if anything he has done anything well, it's been the draft. Now, part of that is faint praise because the other parts of his, I mean, he's not done a very good job. The trades, the free agency, they've been largely terrible. But let's start with the Giants because I thought they had a very strong draft from a talent viewpoint. And our poll question, which is up for today, we do have a poll question today, and it is, Uh, Look at the exact wording of it. Now that the draft is in the books, which team did a better job? Jets, Giants. And you can vote on the poll questions up on Twitter, at Gordon Damer. Um, But let's start with the Giants, because I thought from a talent viewpoint, just the acquisition of talent, I thought they did a great job. And as someone who is a huge fan of the draft, watches year in, year out, you realize a couple of things. There's a couple of universal truths about the draft. And there would be rules that I would follow every single year. One of them, I don't understand why teams don't do that. I I guess it's just because the draft picks are just so, um, so valuable and, and, and so limited. I feel like every team should be taking picks at the end of the draft, seventh, sixth rounders, and using those picks as a way to acquire picks for the following year. It's not very often sixth and seventh round picks are coming, but if you can take a sixth pick, a sixth round pick, you know, most teams have multiple picks in the sixth and seventh round. If you can take those and use them as a way to move up into the fifth round the following year, it's worth it from a value point of view. I don't understand why teams don't do that. And for teams like my team who had three first round picks this year, the fact that they weren't taking those picks and either trading down or trading using the like you'd look at the Patriots. They they do it better than anybody in that they take an asset from one year 
And they, it's almost like you, you hear about coaching trees. It's the draft tree. They take this pick in the first round and they trade down and they get a second and a third round pick. Then they take the third round pick and they trade for a future, you know, this or that. I would be doing that every year because what you realize is when you watch the draft year in and year out, no matter how you feel about this player or that player, 50% of first round picks are generally busts. They don't live up to expectations. They might, they might not be out of the league in a year or two, but they are generally, they don't live up to what the expectation is. And second round picks hit at generally the same rate as first round picks. So from that point of view, I, it's not that the Giants did an amazing job of working the draft, which I would have liked if I had any nitpicky kind of criticism. I would have liked them to be able, and I think most Giant fans wanted them to be able to trade down in the first round, kind of recoup a pick or two. And to me, I get your point of view, but I do feel like it's nitpicky because they needed to come out of the draft in the first round with either one of two things, pass rusher, or a legit offensive tackle to improve the offensive line. And at four, they got Andrew Thomas. And I think that he is the best of the four guys. Out of if if the goal is to get somebody who is worthy of the pick, who also I feel very safe about the pick, I think Andrew Thomas is the best of the four guys. There's no talk about him moving to guard. Uh, he played against the best competition there is. He's not some guy who had one year of production. He looks the part. He produced. He played in the SEC. Uh, I would guess, and I, I guess it's kind of been floated, you know, where do you put him year one? I would think you'd probably put him at right tackle to kind of get his feet wet, and he plays next to Zeitler, the veteran. But that's, I mean, he, he could play center. And it would be an improvement, right? That, that's how good he is. So in terms of the actual player they got at number four, that was the right pick. As great as it looks like Isaiah Simmons could be, given the need, given Dave Gettleman's resume and his reputation, this was the right pick. I trust Dave Gettleman for this one on for one reason. His thing is offensive line, right? His thing is the hog mollies, and this is his chance. He came here with a lot of big talk about fixing the offensive line, and now, year three, he had still not fixed the offensive line. I mean, it was slightly better, but it was not good, and this is probably his last chance to do so. If the Giant, if the season starts on time, and the Giants' offensive line isn't markedly better, chances are they are not going to be markedly better. Now at four, he had his his choice of the four guys he could have taken at four at this dire need of position. A position that is supposedly right in his wheelhouse. He has to get this pick right. You can't be picking in the top five every year, which they have been with him uh, you know, running the team. Not, not, not his fault. I mean, it was a rebuilding situation coming in. But I thought that he got that pick right. I also like... The pick of Xavier McKinney, all the scouting reports seem to be on board. Now, that doesn't mean that he's going to be, you know, everything that everybody says. That It's amazing. Every single pick. Love this pick. Wow. Outside of the Packers and uh, who was the – oh, the, the Eagles. Every pick. Oh, my God. what This guy is – and we know that's not going to be the case. That's not going to be the case. 
So every single pick seemed like, oh, it's amazing. But I do think Xavier McKinney, in terms of what the Giants need and what it seems like he will be able to provide, lines up perfectly, right? Where all the reports are about his versatility, he can cover tight ends. When you see that right away, oh my goodness. That, that, that would, how would, how nice would that be to have someone who can cover the tight end position if for no other game than the two games they play against Dallas? That would be, that would be uh, fantastic. And the other thing you like, even though, again, much like the first round pick, it would have been nice if they could trade down and recoup another pick. You were the one, you were the team that got the run going, right? That was the, he was the first safety off the board, right? Xavier McKinney. And much like the offensive lineman, not that it started to run with the offensive lineman, but it did seem to kind of start a run with the, uh, with the safeties. Now, maybe that run would have gotten going anyway, but uh, I like that they, you got the first crack at that position. Whether, I, and again, I don't know if Xavier McKinney is going to be great. I love how everybody, you know, our poll question today, and I'm sure somebody has already said it because everybody says it every single time. Well, it's going to take time, Gordon. You can't trade the, you can't grade the draft now. You have to wait to see how these things play out in three years. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Sure. That's what we're going to do. We're going to wait three years before we have any thoughts. What's so, what, what world are you living in? No, that's not the way it works. And that's not the way it's going to work for the draft. Never does. But in terms of the position, is safety the most pressing concern? No, it probably wasn't. But in terms of the player, in terms of the scouting report, and in terms of what the Giants could use, and the fact of, you know, it's the first one out of the box here, that, that, uh, I like that. And it's not, you know, it's, it's not the first one out of the box at punter, or, uh, or kicker, or, you know, slightly above that running back. But, um, you got the run going at that position, so I like that. In terms of the other picks, you know, I'd be lying to you if I said I knew all that much. I know that the third round pick, Matt Pert uh, from UConn, Seems like all the draft picks, uh, all, all the draft picks, uh, love that pick. For me, maybe they're right. I know they talked about his uh, his measurables, his, his arms are super long, and that that's why he's going to be. I would have liked somebody who doesn't seem like such a de- developmental pick there in the third round, right? Like Dave Gettleman's always talked about, you get, and everybody does, legit starters in the third round. That's that the, the, you know, third round picks are not lottery tickets. Those should be more times than not. Somebody who is starting, you know, that's the the bulk of the team, the meat and potatoes of your team. Maybe not the superstars, but certainly the guys who make up your roster. And it seems like Pert is someone who is a little bit more of a project, but there are reasons to like the pick. We shall see. I guess the only negative you could give the Giants for the draft really had nothing to do with the draft. It's that third round pick they sent to the Jets in the Leonard Williams deal. Because when you take a look at all the picks, and um, you know, I, I think the we'll see how they turn out. Uh, the fact that you weren't able really to get, you know, an edge rusher until what the seventh round, the kid Carter Coughlin seems like that's the 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 the, the role that he'll kind of uh, play, or at least they're hoping. It seems like the one area that still is a bit of a question outside of that, obviously, along the offensive line, is center. And if you had had that third round pick. That, you know, Ruiz was gone, but the other two centers were still on the boat, on, on the board. The, the, the guy, uh, Cushenberry from LSU, Hennessy from Temple was still on the board. So I guess that maybe, uh, is the only negative that you could really give. But for Dave Gettleman, I thought it was a very, very strong draft. And for his sake, he better hope so. 
because at this point, the Giants need to – you can't be picking in the top five every single year. Even in a rebuilding situation, the NFL is not for long if you're not winning games. And the Giants, over the last couple of years, have been as bad as anyone can be. So it's about time for Dave Gettleman and the Giants to get moving here. And this draft, I think, was a very, very strong sign that things are going to get moving in the right direction. There was a call on Thursday with the league's general managers and the league office. Adam Silver was on that call, and and he heard some of his general managers talking about players calling their teams and their front offices and saying to them, should I get on a plane and go to Georgia or go to a state that's opening up so I can get legally into a gym? And I, I, I think certainly for all teams, they would prefer that a player would be in one of their own facilities, which they they can keep clean, that they can keep much safer, you know, than a public uh, fitness center. And they wanted to avoid players doing that. All right, so there you go. Adrian Wojnarowski with the report, uh, I guess it was uh, Thursday or Friday, uh, about uh, that it uh, looks like uh, the NBA, at least in the states where the stay-at-home orders are, are going to be loosening a bit, that uh, NBA teams are going to be opening up facilities there so players uh, can at least access those facilities. And, you know, as you're kind of hoping that the plans start to come into focus, that uh, that things start to move in this direction, right? I, I don't have a whole lot of hope that the NBA season is going to resume. But in terms of sports resuming, these are the kind of stories that you want to see happen. These are the st- stories. Now, I think that there's a ways to go, right? It's not you're not going to be involved, the players in a, in a group environment. That would be the next step. But at least in terms of when you're looking for a little kernel of something to, to hope on, that was a good story to uh, to have that, a little light at the end of the tunnel. So it is the Gordon Dammer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. And uh, my clock skills, which have never been really a strength of the show, in a month away, it's apparently gotten even worse. So uh, we got to <laughs> get moving here, Gordon. Uh, so we talked about the Giants there a little bit too long. But uh, let's talk about the Jets a little bit. 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number. And uh, the poll question, which is up for today, which team did a better job of the uh, the draft, Jets or Giants? So we we tackled the Giants draft. Let's talk about the Jets because Joe Douglas, uh, it's been, it feels like it's been three years we've been talking. This is Joe Douglas's first draft. So he has a huge edge going in. And the edge for Joe Douglas is that he cannot possibly be worse than the guy who was picking the players before. Mike McCagden, you want to talk about 30 for 30s. Ten-part series about the Bulls. You could have a ten-part series about how bad Mike McCagnum was in the NFL draft, and it wasn't. And the crazy thing is, he was following up John Idzik. I mean, that that's the Lennon and McCartney of, of bad drafts. So he had Joe Douglas a huge ah, a huge advantage. Can't possibly be worse. And in the eyes of fans, they. Trust Joe Douglas, and I think that at least in terms of his first draft, again, right, of course, we'll find out over time. Not all the people, not all the players that people think are going to be great players are going to turn out to be great players. But in terms of where they were picking, the working the draft, I thought thought he did a, a fairly good job of that. But in the first round, he gets Becton, who 
I, he, you don't need to know much football to look at him and say, okay, I can see that guy being really, really good. I mean, he is a monster. In the days leading up to the draft, you know, watching various videos of this guy and that guy, you would not, it would be hard not to be impressed by Becton. So, and also leading up to the draft, when I was on with Larry at night, you know, I was starting to get swayed by those who said, you know what, well, why would I want, you know, where the Jets were picking, the fourth offensive lineman as opposed to the first wide receiver? But now looking, and I was start, I'll be honest, I was starting to get swayed a little bit by that reasoning, but it turns out you didn't get the fourth offensive lineman, you got the third one off the board. And Becton, I think, has a higher ceiling than maybe the other guys. Now his floor might be lower. His floor might be lower than Thomas. He, he might turn out, you know, for whatever reason, weight issues, whatever, that it doesn't work out. But in terms of his physical measurables, you can understand how that guy could project into being a top-flight left tackle. And one of the problems with draft grades right after the draft, which is always silly, but you understand why, because there's such a desire to have information about all these guys. Nobody, I don't, I don't know how anybody could be watching all these games. So the problem with the draft grades right away is that you're ignoring completely the impact of coaching. And Becton, I think, has the ability, has the potential to be a premier left tackle. So now it's up to the Jets coaches and their program to make sure that happens. Now, in terms of the working of the draft, right, you get through the first-round pick, and you like that. I think most Jet fans, even the ones that wanted the receiver there, I don't think that you can be upset by grabbing a premier, what you hope is a premier left tackle. But the move of getting Becton in round one and then trading down in round two when there were a lot of receivers on the board – and you're still able to get uh, Mims out of Baylor, Denzel Mims, and you also pick up a third-round pick. That's kind of getting back to the point that I, I made in the open, was that the smart move, if you look at the really smart teams in the draft, generally they're the ones who are trading down. They're, they're picking up an extra second-round pick, picking up an extra third-round pick, because they realize that to get – an extra crack at the dartboard, that's generally how you're going to be more successful. Oh, thinking that you are better at drafting than everybody else, teams like that run into trouble. You're better off getting another crack at the draft board, getting another draft pick here or there, and it, it's played out that way time and time again. So there is a, a risk in that, in that if you trade down – the position or the player that you want is not still available. But I think in terms of Joe Douglas, it kind of worked out, right? Like when the Jets were on the clock and you find out that they trade their, they traded down in the second round, people are like, well, why are you doing that? The receivers aren't going to still be there. And the receiver was still there. So am I going to tell you that Denzel Mims, I know for sure exactly what he's going to turn out to be? No, I don't. But again, in terms of working the draft and, and seeing that there will still be a good wide receiver prospect available when you move down and, and still make the pick. I think that that's a good sign for for Joe Douglas in terms of working the draft, and that's important. You know, teams uh, that that move down more times than not, they they end up getting it right. That's generally the right move. Not always. Moving up in the draft doesn't always work out, even though that's the, 
that that's certainly the uh, the move that more fans probably like. But moving down in the draft and, and getting the extra pick, especially when you're a team with as many holes as the Jets have. And that was the only criticism I'd really have of the Giants. It's a little bit more nitpicky there because I just don't think, especially in the first round, there was a team that was willing to move up to number four. But moving down in the draft is generally the right move. And uh, for the Jets, at least in that one pick, that's what they did. And we'll see how it turns out. And I'll say this, especially for my college career, I wish I could have had at least one or maybe two college courses taught by the people who hand out the draft grades. Because you really, to get a bad draft grade immediately following the draft, you really have to just kind of set it all on fire. Uh, Take a look at any article which grades the draft, and it's always like, seven teams all had A pluses, six teams had A minuses, these teams had Bs, and then there's like two or three teams that will get bad grades. And to me, a bad grade is like a D or an F. Every and, and this year, it's pretty clear the only teams who are going to get D's and F's consistently would be some combination of the Texans, the Eagles, and the Packers. And let's just say this about the Packers. And, and maybe this is because I have been um, viewing it through the recent prism of the, the Bulls documentary and everything that's gone on with the Patriots. What you realize, and there's always this talk, especially with the Bulls thing just being so out in front right now, that, well, you know, we don't want the the team, we don't want the franchise to fall out down into this hole. So we ha- it would be better to rebuild early than later. And I do not think that the Packers' move of getting Jalen Hurts is going to turn out to be a bad move because – Again, you have to take a look at what the player is and what environment he is going into. And in terms of a quarterback that has questions but clearly has ability, he is walking into a very good situation. If you were a quarterback coming into the league, forget about you know whether or not you're a starter or a backup. In terms of being coached up right, There's very few situations I feel like that would be better than going to Philadelphia. So for for Jalen Hurts, who, I mean, it's not hard to see how his ability is tantalizing. Now, I get the criticism of you could help out Carson Wentz in other ways, but again, how do we know that Carson Wentz is going to stay healthy? And if he doesn't stay healthy, well, then taking a, a quarterback in the second round, maybe is not that bad a deal. But the Packers is a different situation, even though they did take a quarterback. If the thought is, well, you know what, Rodgers is getting older, and we have to make sure, you know, the best way to make sure that you're always a winning team is to always have a good quarterback, and there's no, you know, you should be taking a quarterback every single year. I'm of the belief that, you know what, Worry about down the road, down the road. And if you have a window of opportunity, if you have a a winnable window, which I think the Packers clearly do, you're better off squeezing every bit of juice out of the fruit 
before worrying about down the road, right? Like the, 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 the Bulls are a perfect example. Now, I'm not saying the Packers are like the Bulls. I mean, the Bulls were a legit dynasty with the greatest player in the history of the world. But they would have, you know, the, the Jerry Reinsdorf and, and, um, and, and the front office, they were ready to tear things down even before they did tear things down. And maybe they could have won seven if they had kept it all together. They had brought Phil back for another year and Jordan would have been on board. Yeah, maybe they have to make moves or two. But wouldn't you rather have, wouldn't you rather squeeze every bit of it out of, of what you have rather than, I mean, the Bulls are still rebuilding. I mean, they've never been able to reach the heights that they were. And not that anybody expected them to reach the heights that they were, but they've never been a championship contender really since those times. And for the Packers, to be investing a first-round pick and trading up for a first-round pick for the the heir apparent to Aaron Rodgers when they have legitimate holes on their team. Every team has legitimate holes. And still a window of opportunity to win now. It seems like such a mistake. Now, look, three years from now, who knows? Maybe we'll be looking back and saying, you know, taking Jordan Love was was absolutely the right move, almost the way that uh, selecting Aaron Rodgers when they did, when they had Brett Favre, was the right move. But to me, that was – I think a lot of people are putting the Packers and the Eagles situations in the uh, the same boat. And I don't think that they really are the same boat. But I would love to have had some uh, some of the uh, people that grade, uh, grade the drafts to uh, grade me when I was in college. Boy, I, my, my, uh, my GPA would have really uh, benefited as a result. Well, look, we're almost out of time. The poll question, which is up for today on Twitter at Gordon Damer. We did not uh, pick up the rewatchable movie bracket. That will start tomorrow. But we did look at the NFL draft now that the draft is in the books. Which team do you think did a better job? Well, in terms of working the draft, I can understand Jet fans saying the Jets. I would say if I had a dollar for every time that the the draft next looked at the Jets draft and said, well, you know what, look at that. The Jets had a very strong draft. Boy, I'd be a lot richer than I It would almost be like my GPA in college. I could uh, certainly use uh, th- those dollars. That that would be fantastic. But in terms of the actual talent acquired, I like the Giants draft better. I like the Giants draft better. I think Andrew Thomas, I like him better than Becton. And I think most people, you know, right? I mean, he went before Becton, so I, I can understand that. And while safety is not the greatest need of a position, it will fill a lot of holes if McKinney can play up to expectations like a lot of people are expecting. And the fact that he was the first guy off the board at that position, I think, boosted it as well. So uh, you can vote on the poll question. It's up on Twitter, at Gordon Damer. But the show is just about over. I have not found what this Red Sox punishment is for cheating. Well, you know what? I'll look at it after the show is over, and we'll see. I don't know. Maybe it's it's around somewhere. I have, maybe it's on the dark web. Maybe I have to investigate the dark web for wherever the Red Sox punishment is for cheating the game after being caught cheating once before. But we'll be back tomorrow, two days in a row. We'll be like Cal Ripken Jr. That's going to do it for today. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.